0: Folks, welcome back to The Africanist, your favorite podcast. I am your host, Bambanjai, and uh, today we have another special guest. His name is Shamsuddin Abubakar. And Shamsuddin Abubakar is a uh, PhD candidate in computer and electrical engineering with a focus on robotics at the University of uh, Louisville in Kentucky. But Shamsuddin Abubakar is also one of the initiators of the End SARS protest in Louisville, Kentucky. So, as you may know, for a few weeks now, there has been a major protest in Nigeria to end the SARS. The SARS is a special unit in the Nigerian police that was created a few years ago to fight against crime, especially kidnapping and, and other you know forms of crimes but since then the unit has been criticized for being corrupt and uh, for not respecting the law that they're supposed to, uh, to to abide by. To talk about all of that today, um, Abu will, as we call him here, walk us through the meaning of the protest but also the meaning of this unit or special anti-robbery squad known as SARS, why it was founded, the importance it has played since its foundation, and the criticism that the Nigerian uh, public uh, have directed towards this special unit. And I think a few weeks ago actually it was uh, disbanded by the president of Nigeria, Muhammad Buhari. So uh, Abu, welcome to The Africanist.
1: Um, thank you, Bamba.
0: Ah, right, so, Sars, Special Anti-Robbery Squad. Right. When and why was this special unit created?
1: Um, so it was first created in 1992. Um, late 92 is what, um, some sources say. Um, <clears throat> and as the name implies, it was created to tackle, um, anti-robbery to tackle armed robbery incidences mm-hmm. but generally very violent high sophisticated um, crimes so like um kidnapping like you mentioned mm-hmm. and you know extortions where arms were involved so but since it's been since its creation it's gone through several forms of rebranding mm-hmm. um partly due to or significantly due to complaints by the public of as you mentioned overstepping of their powers and their mandates and basically not maintaining or following laws which they are meant to uphold and enforce. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, who who created this unit? Um, so it was as a unit of the police force. Mm-hmm. In Nigeria we have the National Police Force so as opposed to in America where you kind of have like a state police department. Mm-hmm. So it was created by um, nominally I guess the Inspector General of Police at the time mm-hmm. as the head of the Pol- Nigerian Police Force. Okay,
0: so it is an, it was... Uh, an integral part of the national police force right okay now you said the unit has been criticized uh, yeah. for overstepping uh, the boundaries so what are some of the criticisms that uh, Nigerians have formulated towards uh, SARS
1: um, yeah over the years it's kind of been The same but different. So what I mean by that is, there's been oppression of people, like you know, using armed force, using force where it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. So basically, police brutality, Mm -hmm. or actually extrajudicial killings. So Mm -hmm. where you know they suspect someone of something and they shoot the person in the street, um, or they pick the person up from their homes and take them to the station, and the person is never seen from or heard from again. Um, And sometimes some of these people are guilty of some crime, but regardless that's absolutely not in order and sometimes it's absolutely innocent people you know in stories of people you know going home and you know one of the operatives of this unit accost them and are asking questions and they're like you have no right to ask these questions or even maybe they're answering but the person doesn't believe them and they're picked up and never seen again mm-hmm. so it's from serious things like that to small things like extorting so there are people who's Electronic devices have been seized for no good reason. And, you know, they never get those devices again. There are people that have had to, you know, take some of the operators of this division to mm-hmm. ATM machines to give them cash. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. Like,
0: they would arrest someone and ask them to go to ATM machines? and Is right. that what you're
1: saying? Right. Arrest is even a bit more. Like, they might not actually charge you for anything or take you to the station, you know. Mm-hmm. But people just panic about, like, even following them to the station that they go to let you go, you mm-hmm. have to pay some money. And sometimes we don't have the cash they ask for, and, mm-hmm. you know, so they walk them to an ATM machine or there's been stories of some of them having, um, a POS device, you know, where like you swipe your card, right? they kind of like a teller service. You know? Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, it's the scope and the methods are very wide ranging mm-hmm. and just totally, you know.
0: So basically it, it, it had become a corruption machine. Right. Basically.
1: Um, you know, at this point I think it's important to mention that they they sometimes get in harm's way to, you know, protect the people. And mm-hmm. I think this mm-hmm. is part of where they are they're being emboldened to carry out some of the things they carry. Because they some of the actions they carry out. So they actually carry guns and sometimes they actually get in the way of preventing armed robbers from, you know, attacking a place. Hmm. But I think part of their feeling entitled to use that force against people is I think they feel neglected, underappreciated. You know, so it's almost like mm-hmm. if the system doesn't reward us for our efforts, we will get what we deserve from the people. And, you know, so
0: so so would you say that these people working for the national police, especially uh, the SARS? are they well taken
1: care of are they well paid well equipped and and all of that absolutely not um Mm -hmm. and that's one of the demands of the protest the movement to end SARS um there were these demands and I'm guessing we'll get to that at some point but that was absolutely one of it to you know reform the welfare of police officers in general Mm -hmm. including you know members of people that were in the SARS units which one of the other requests was for that to be cancelled but yeah
0: Okay, all right, so so here, uh, I have a report of Amnesty International, hmm. uh, that came out uh, a few weeks ago, and here I'm just gonna read a, a few lines from the report and then, uh, I'm gonna ask you to, to comment it, okay? Right. Um, so I'm quoting here Amnesty International, Amnesty International and UN bodies have in the past drawn attention to the pervasive use of torture and other abuse by SARS officers. In this report, you have signed your death. Okay, so that was the title of the report. You have signed your death warrant published in 2016. Amnesty International documented 58 cases of suspect who were tortured while in SARS custody. Uh, despite these reports, growing public outcry and many promises to reform SARS, violation by SARS officers continue. Since 2016, Amnesty International has documented at least 82 cases of torture, ill treatment and extrajudicial executions by SARS. And most victims are young men between the age of 18 and 35, poor and from vulnerable groups and are tortured either to extract information and confession or as punishment for alleged offenses. And then Amnesty International found that torture is is systematic within SARS. Uh, Many SARS stations use designated torture chambers, for instance. Uh, Special interrogation rooms commonly used for torturing suspects. These are known as the temple, the theater, and are in some cases in charge of an officer known informally as OC torture. Mm. OC means officer in
1: charge of torture. Right.
0: What do you think of this? What do you make of this?
1: I mean, it's it's a very interesting segment of that report that you read. Um, Like many things, like many documents and revelations that have come out from this movement and uh, just become, people have become more aware of, it's been kind of difficult to process so i've kind of taken it piecemeal but yeah everything that i think for example from the number of incidences that was mentioned kind of points to an increase in the number of events and that's the case and i think the movement of the protest now is just a an indication of you know how much how prevalent it has been it's been an issue that has existed for a while. but yeah, um, for example, the special torture chambers is not something I think existed in 97 when, I think that was when one of the first, you know, protests in some form against SARS first happened. '97. You know, yeah, I think about around then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, you know, there was one in 2017 and then there's this one now, I think it was 20, 2019 when the federal government reformed from SARS to FSAS, which is basically a federal SARS kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and. Um, pointed to some restructuring in the leadership you know the reporting is not more like local but you know to so higher ups. Mm-hmm. and now there's been another restruct like rebranding as it were and that's why nigerians are not accepting that because that's been done severally and but yeah, the trend of violence has still kind of in, gone up so yeah um you also mentioned some of the methods that i've used um <clears throat> i've heard like you know it's, it's weird because i'm 30 years old but i've not really had an encounter with the police like directly you know Mm -hmm. while i stayed in nigeria I was 24 before i left for the first time Mm -hmm. but i have you know friends you know there's this particular guy's story was you know he didn't know the name of the room they were in but someone in the same room in which they were detained got called out and executed at the back like they all heard the shot you know i saw him the first day he was released and he just came running to me i was like show me money and i was like bro what's like why do i need to you was like just show me cash i've not seen cash for three weeks now i was like okay like this is cash and then i was like oh yeah i got i heard you got picked up by the police and by the way his father is a police officer so this is this is a friend of yours who had an encounter with sars absolutely Mm -hmm. um a childhood friend and he got picked up for i guess what you could say is a childhood prank you know, childhood prank but mm. yeah the the um so he had friends who were like you know will kind of kind of meet people that are new to the neighborhood and just mm-hmm. be like you know what's up who are you I'm like, and because so technically he was my immediate younger brother's friend mm. so i like knew they were kids kind of thing i mm-hmm. would be like yeah yeah i should cut that out and stuff but on this day he wasn't actually part of the people playing the prank mm-hmm. because they were friends when the sass came and this is one of the things they do they just pick up everybody that's associated with that person mm-hmm. and yeah he was put in this chamber and he was like yeah um you know so he started to tell me about it was almost therapeutic for him like he needed to tell someone yeah you know, almost like confessional
0: what happened right di- while in, he was there um, during his detention
1: right uh, for again it was you know he was picked because he's known as an associate of those people so he didn't even know any details about the incident for which he was picked you know Mm-hmm. um and yeah he was like so in nigerian movies sometimes you know they show when people go to the cells i guess you kind of see that on in american movies like you know there's this hierarchy and there's a boss and stuff it was like his experience was not like that like he was like people he came to realize it was like people waiting for their death because everybody was just chill and sober in the corner there was nobody bullying anybody else mm-hmm. and until that night when that happened that's when it all made sense to him and you know so i yeah i have that i have a few other friends that you know had different levels of um, of in- encounters with them. So to hear you read that and like, you know, in a formalized way, kind of mm-hmm. show the systemic nature of those kind of experiences or something. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. all the content on social media, like the informal report, the anecdotes also show that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, this current protest, mm, okay. hashtag NSARS,
1: when did it start? Um. So apparently it was one of the earliest it's been like many protests it's kind of like the culmination of efforts by different people Mm -hmm. um there are different social media personalities that have seemed to claim responsibility for it um there are some that have actually distanced themselves from claiming responsibility for starting it you know um, because they want it to be known that this is something that affects a lot of nigerians Um, and again one of the tactics that has been used to suppress movements like this is speaking speaking to the leaders like the government speak to the leaders and it seems the people feel betrayed Mm -hmm. but yeah i would say you know this particular one started early october um of 2020 Mm -hmm. you know where apparently there was a video of a man who was shot in the street in front of a hotel um and you know as like with many videos you kind of see online it's hard to know the full instance you know is it possible he was suspected for something before maybe it's and this posi- happened in 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 Ni- where exactly in nigeria I think in delta state nigeria delta um, state i think that's what the report is again this is based off of a video that kind of went viral right mm-hmm. um so it's you know more level of verification needs to be done but what could be told is mm-hmm. it resonated with so many people it was you know you see something that looks like something you've seen you've heard you've maybe experienced and you know it's yeah it's hard to like keep questioning the experience multiple times so yeah, he was shot um, in that video, and like they kind of tried to pull up, pull away. Like so, they yeah sometimes they shoot people in the street, get in their car and just leave, you know. Um I think in this case, one of the officers was trying to, you know, stay with the body, and then the people like there got really angry, mm-hmm. um, and then from there it became a social media. So the video made it social media, and people put the hashtag like with the insults again, and it kind of built up from there, and a the celebrity, a bunch of celebrities, mm-hmm. kind of made that hashtag trend mm-hmm. and then more people kind of became emboldened to share their stories mm-hmm. and like i said it's something that's very widespread so there wasn't the shortage of stories And mm-hmm. even people that didn't share their stories were on the street there was a lady that was just carrying a placard you know protesting and it was i think one of the media people that was covering the protest kind of like just asking her, her feelings about the protest and it seemed like that was the first time at least that's what it seemed to me to watch her body language and the way she talked about it was well, the first time she was admitting that she was raped by operatives of the SARS unit that that journalist who was no the woman that was being interviewed
0: oh the woman who right, was being was, interviewed so
1: ju- just by so i i feel i think that illustrates some people came out mm. as a measure of expressing something they've not even talked about
0: so it's like all of a sudden right people have an outlet to 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 talk about their encounter right with SARS right Right. And the movement gave
1: them that opportunity. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is something that, um, I mean, we have a democracy in Nigeria, but we had long, long years of military rule. Mm-hmm. So um, those kind of public expression, especially by young people, because also our cultures are generally big on respect, you know, like young mm-hmm. people kind of like keeping their voices muted and stuff. So mm-hmm. that kind of expression, you know, um, was something monumental, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so which which you know once again show the the power that social media can can have sometimes in terms of uh, creating social change absolutely. on the continent of, of Africa, but also but mostly the the power of the people you know because uh, if things just stay on the social media like there might not be any change absolutely, but the fact that um, people like went out in the streets and uh, protestists protested peacefully you mm-hmm. know it sometimes it got violent and i think how many people died in in,
1: in um protests? you know we have judicial panels now that are still trying to part of the effort is to mm-hmm. you know address um deaths and injuries that happened during the protest but just generally sars. um but yeah there are different numbers You know, show which is so you happen in multiple states as well um mm-hmm. So, because of the way Nigeria is, like you know, there's a lot of attention to, like the big states, and Bomocho is like a town in one of the bigger states, but not seen as one of like the big towns in Nigeria. But there was a protest there as well, mm-hmm. and I think it was said that nine people died there nine in Bomocho. Yeah. Um. So there were people died in different areas, and some are known, but some are not. And like you know, in Lagos, it probably is more because there was um what is being, I want to say like you know. I mean, there's a video of this incident of people dressed in, soldier, in military uniform. I'm, I'm almost deliberately not calling them soldiers because the government has said they didn't send soldiers there. The soldiers have said they, they didn't send the others. Like, there's this conflicting report but people saw what they saw, which were men dressed in military uniform, which is not something that's common in Nigeria. So, being in the U.S. here, I see people wear the military fatigue all the time, like civilians. And it's kind of funny because in Nigeria, a military person could, you know, have you take them off in the street that actually mm-hmm. happened to me you know so yeah, people don't, yeah 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 people don't joke with that there yeah. um so but you know it's not impossible that yeah but yeah people believe it was military men and it's not unexpected if you look at the behavior of the people that are in power right now right mm-hmm. so people um wearing those like shot at protesters you know mm-hmm. um and besides that, there was, you know, police officers in the guise of protecting their police stations or keeping the peace. Mm-hmm. There were videos of them shooting people during the protest at different locations. So, yeah, um, to kind of try to answer your question, the num- exact number is not known, but it's, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. Okay. People that died or were injured. Yeah.
0: So now, how are people trying to, to reconcile the fake news that, that can, you know, tint the, the protests or protests like this? Because... For instance, uh this is just an example. I'm not saying that the video that uh, sparked the protest was right. was fake. You know, there is a big question mark uh about the authenticity, authenticity of the video. Right. So in protests like this, like where should the line be line be drawn between you know, how to discern what is true and what's fake.
1: Yeah, um I mean that's a question that's one of the big questions of our time. Um, you know, I saw this documentary recently, The Social Dilemma. i mm-hmm. um, kind of exploring how um, social media affects individuals, relationships, society, and just the human race as a whole. And I think it's very, very thoughtfully done. And it was interesting because it was, I think I also connected with it because a lot of people on the documentary were people that were involved in creating this thing. So engineers, I could understand their speak and you know their body language and all of that. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you know, I think it's interesting because, yes, um, that video might have been doctored. I don't think it was. But like I said, it was an experience that resonated with so many people Mm -hmm. and their experiences were not doctored, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's where, you know, yeah, we can have a debate about this. Fact-checking should be a thing more and more so. But when something is widespread like this... um, multiple cities in a society where protest is not very common and you know you don't have exactly like leaders like clear leaders like people trying to well some people try to claim like initiative for the protest but like you know a lot there was a clear look we, we are not answering to one person you know we this list of demands is something we all get behind deal with the demands you know um mm-hmm. when you have things like that i think trying to hyper focus on veracity before it's kind of like dismissing people's protests like you know telling them your experience was a lie because this video might not have been true mm-hmm. in which and it's a might like you know you've not verifiably said oh it's a lie that a video didn't happen because it probably did i think mm-hmm. so yeah
0: all right now what are the demands the protesters what um, are they demanding right
1: Yeah, now? so it's it had this hashtag five for five which i can't list off the top of my head but mm-hmm. um basically they were along the lines of you know justice disbandment of the sas of course Mm -hmm. um then justice for people that have been injured or you know harmed by sas in any way during the protest and before the protest Mm -hmm. um also like i think one of the demands was like i said the improving the welfare of of, uh, officers officers. right so disbanding sas and then a psychological evaluation of members of the SARS unit because they probably will be reassigned. You know, they probably won't be fired. So, I mean, obviously the guilty ones will be penalized as part of the um, pursuit of, in in pursuit of justice. But the non-guilty ones that are part of that system, um, there was a demand that they be psychologically evaluated before being reassigned in the system. Mm. And then just improvement of the welfare of the police officers because, yes, generally, like many um, public servants in Nigeria due to, I mean, issues um they yeah their welfare is not the best so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: okay now um what has been done so far
1: um yeah so so far like the
0: the demands
1: right um like i mentioned there was a disbandment of sars so i think this happened like officially around um i think the middle of october Mm -hmm. um so like i said the protest started early october so around the middle of october there was an announcement to disband us by the inspector general of police mm-hmm. um muhammad adam or something like that. i don't remember his name now but yeah um but yeah like the people um because i said that's happened before A few, I, th- I think a week later or something i know that unit was announced in its place um special weapon and tactics tactics and you know A special weapon and tactics so swat, just SWAT. Like special weapon and tactics. tactics yeah okay and almost immediately after that was end swat because it's the idea was mm-hmm. look you don't get it we don't want this unit existing this special unit existing. we, we don't want the change to be nominal right exactly <laughs> we want, because with an effective change then. right because okay. that's happened before literally like you know been the f i mentioned before mm-hmm. um but yeah, the judicial panel, so there's this um, national governor's forum in Nigeria where the governors of the states meet. Mm-hmm. And I think it was agreed in one of their meetings for the creation of judicial panels. Um, so that, that's been created in multiple states. And those are listening to, you know, victims of uh, your people that, um, relatives of people that died, or people that were harmed. And they were being, they are being employed to come forward and their cases have been documented. And that's currently ongoing. I, I know um, I've seen some of the proceedings and some of the proceedings are public so i've seen some of the proceedings of the judicial panel for Lagos state um so yeah there you, f- you see people share stories and it's just you know it's moving um but yeah it's documented it's people some people have names because you know maybe in pursuit of looking for a loved ones they encounter this oc or something or this inspector general or this inspector of somewhere you know so that's that's also happening um in terms of improving the welfare of police officers i don't know how much that's happened there's not been any um gesture by the g- government like any tangible gesture in that regard to the best of my knowledge but mm-hmm. yeah um but i don't know if this is something you plan to ask but one big thing that i think has happened is the protest has like raised or started an awareness in a lot of young people um, in nigeria and for me that's you know that's one of the far-reaching impacts of these protests um mm-hmm our culture, like I mentioned, on so many levels is quite big on, you know, young people being, knowing their place kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not an expert on different cultures, but I, I wouldn't say it's as big as the way I perceive it to be in, say, China, like, far east, but it's significant. It's definitely, like, the west, Yeah,
0: right? I mean, across Africa, right. you know, uh, I think there's a, a similarity in that sense. Like, in Senegal, which I know, uh, the best, um, you know, respect for the elders right. is also, you know, it's <laughs> <Right. laughs> is, is a big thing. You right. know, it's, um, yeah, people always, you, you were raised to respect the elders. Right. Like somebody who has your mom's age, your, <laughs> right. she's your mom. If right. they have your dad's age, they're your dad. And, you know, see the streets. So respect is big. So right. I imagine, you know, I know, something similar in Nigeria too.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, we are I think 60% of our population is under 40. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are under that, you know, that impression. And yeah it's you know there's i'm I'm yoruba and there's one saying we have like an elder cannot lie which when you think of it it's (laughs) like it doesn't Mm -hmm. you can lie at any age but you know that's the attitude that's being brought to it but i think and yeah i think there's a there's value to that you know respecting the elders um Mm -hmm. the human experience is something that you know um there's something about the longer you experience it the more insight you can get but that's not something that just comes to you by age it takes work mm-hmm. you know age just means you've had more time to sit with the human experience and for so long a lot of people have just felt oh just because i'm you know i have all these years i deserve all this respect and you know this this experience has done that i mean in addition to the therapy the therapeutic nature of it like i said the lady that you know talked on tv about something she had not talked about like it looked like she had not talked about she didn't say she hadn't but for me mm-hmm. um it, it did look like that and uh, you know so i know i personally had that too um in the protest we have here which um, i don't know maybe you talk about at some point but mm-hmm. yeah um it's that therapeutic nature we don't get to have a lot of it you know um as a culture mm-hmm. you know a place to exp- really express how you're feeling and mm-hmm. you know without being afraid of, or oh, am I insulting this person, or am I doing this, or what repercussion would there be? So, mm. yeah.
0: So it's just you. If I understand correctly, like the whole protest has created a climate uh, that allow younger people to vent, absolutely, to have a conversation, right, with the elders, with themselves, right, and you know, with the the human experience, their experiences in general, right, right,
1: right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's that's. That's such a big thing. I think. Yeah. Um, in addition to you know achieving some of the results of the end protest movement, end SARS movements. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now, uh, like I said at the beginning of at the in the introduction, you are one of the people who initiated uh, the end SARS protests in downtown Louisville uh, three weeks ago, I think.
1: Um. Yeah. I think about that. It long, was yeah. what was the date? You know, I don't (laughs) remember the exact date. uh, Yeah, yeah. I think it was three weeks ago, like three three Saturdays
0: ago. Right. Today is Saturday... uh, um, 7th? Yeah, November November 7th, so sometime... In October. In October. Uh, Now, why is it important for the Nigerian diaspora in the United States? But it wasn't only in the United States, like in England, you know, everywhere in Europe, China, like a people, Nigerian, in every country. Yes, <laughs> that's what we so say. So they they showed up, All right. And they protested. All right. Why is it important in, for the Nigerian diaspora to
1: to be heard? Um, you know, that's very. That's yeah, that's something. Um, I think the Ni- members of the Nigerian diaspora are in a unique position. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of us. I mean, some of us were born here or came here when we were very young. But a good number of us came here as adults, you know, and, you know, we try to stay in touch with people at home. Um, I've been, I left Nigeria when I was 24 for the first time mm-hmm. and I've been home five times in six years. Um, but even the last time I went, I felt a bit of, not out of touch, but, you know, you feel like, okay, um, I'm not as Nigerian as if I was living here. I don't know how to describe it, you know, mm-hmm. but you still feel that connection in the way that, you know, you live there for 24 years, 20, whatever years. Um, and yeah, so you feel when you hear people talk about uh, the stories, the SARS brutality, you might have experienced it. There was the video of this guy in the UK that, um, it sounded like he was based in the UK off of his accents might not be enough to go through. Cause there are some Nigerians that would pull accents and you'll be <laughs> <laughs> without ever getting to an airport. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, he, you know, and he talked about, like, how he goes to Nigeria. Whenever he's in Nigeria, he organizes events. Mm-hmm. And he had described an experience where, you know, the SARS, um, he had an encounter with the SARS because he had, like, dreadlocks and iPhones. Those are some of the markers they look for to mm-hmm. consider you a criminal. You know, you dress um, fancy, right, dreadlocks, tattoo, iPhone, mm-hmm. oh, it's done, or a laptop. You know, very, like, you know, Um, someone once mentioned, like, you know, um. It's because they don't understand, like, the 21st century. There was this guy that's um, a digital um, artist. I think that was his job title. That was killed. Um, you know, initially people thought it was by one of the um, soldiers' bullets. But his younger brother released a statement saying, so this protest, like, when they got out of hand, and they still debate on how this happened, Who some hoodlums um, raided some places, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was, some of them just went on to random homes and attacked some of them went to places so there's there's this um there were several instances of so covid-19 palliatives so like food items that were meant to be distributed to people to help during lockdowns mm-hmm. were being warehoused somewhere mm-hmm. and you know people like raided those places um, and this was this happened during the protest like shortly after so the way the protest was kind of curtailed was um in the um in lagos where like a lot of the protest was happening again it happened in multiple cities and multiple states but yeah there was this toll gate that was like a nerve center um it, it was symbolic it was practical it was a very it was very um it was yeah it was a very powerful thing for the protest to be happening there right mm-hmm. and that was where like the shooting happened uh, where like people in military uniform um shot at people um and yeah like shortly after that there was a curfew that was announced on the whole state like so no movement right Mm -hmm. so i think and this went on for two or three days or so and then yeah in the midst of that the coffee was being eased slash shortly after then people kind of started to you know and they are called hoodlums and yeah some of them are just people looking for violence i always remember this poster whenever i see a p- protest this placard that says i don't believe in anything i'm here for the violence i think every protest has people like that right mm. but i don't think most of these people were yeah right?
0: most of the people were not there to cause right there for a caused yeah. right um
1: but yeah these people you know some of them were just poor hungry angry people mm-hmm. you know you because know, if you look at the target like the things they were going to but some of them wrecked havoc you know and i think his brother released a statement saying they were um we were attacked by people like that and one of them stabbed his brother in the neck while he was trying to defend but he was you know he was a young person is why i mentioned the story and that was something that also resonated with a lot of people mm. but you know um so he's a digital artist he's young so even if you're in a diaspora you get you you can relate to that story you mm-hmm. know um but then also being here we can protest without that worry about safety mm-hmm. right mm-hmm there's also the fact about you know these protests creates like it was a form of solidarity with people back home Like, you know we had one of the slogans here like uh, we might be far away from home but we day your back we pin and it's basically like we are are solidly behind you and this is it's more than just the gesture you know um some huge amounts of money was raised from people in the diaspora through bitcoin through foreign currencies to provide ambulances for people that are protesting you know that got injured and had to like flee to provide to support lawyers that were releasing people that were being detained you know Mm -hmm. a lot of nigerians send money in many ways but people were donating for this in particular Mm -hmm. so that was also another way like the diaspora showed but like i also mentioned um even that therapeutic nature for nigerians that are here even those that are, like are outside of the clutch of stars you know you carry some of these traumatic experiences with you you might not be in that environment anymore maybe you've never talked about it so you also provided them a space to you know talk about it to think about it with other nigerians you know in one space so that was why i think it was necessary and you know the same way like the way he raised the um allowed a lot of young nigerians to find their voice out there he allows a lot of young nigerians outside to find their voice also allows them to like meet people of like minds So there's quite a number of Nigerians in the U.S., but we are kind of, like, you know, dispersed. So this was something that brought us together. and Like, let's think about, you know, how to um, contribute to bettering our country from where we are in very tangible ways. I've been having several discussions in that regard, several ideas, in more ways than I have been, you know, before, because the PhD is what it is. (laughs) But, yeah, um, and that was partly due to this protest. And, you know, we have, I'm, I'm sure you're very aware of this, like, the independence of many African countries... Was significantly contributed to by people that spent some time in diaspora at some point. You know, like mm-hmm. you know colleges, HBCUs here, or like you know universities in the UK. So I think there's a there's a pattern there. You know, of like providing a unique contribution by virtue of where we are. Now,
0: uh, would would you say that the the protest you organized uh, a few weeks ago was successful? And and what if so? What made it successful?
1: Yeah. Um. So like I mean. Um. <laughs> <I'm laughs> I I'm grateful you keep <laughs> saying I organized it and I did play, you know, like facilitated, I, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. cuz I do know some people that, you know, kind of were more um integral to facilitating than I was and I know people that were less, but I think regardless it it's it's a community it was effort, a community, right, right, community for. Um but yes, personally for me it was, you know, these things I mentioned. It was mm-hmm. you know, coming out to find your voice, you know, to I, for example, I don't post a lot on social media anywhere for different reasons, but this was something that, you know, allowed me to say that. And I, I had interesting conversations because I think part of it is just they were like, oh, so you know how to walk this thing. You just don't talk about anything. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, and then we, from there, we kind of like delve into talking about the issue. I actually learned about we had um kind of like an extended family friend that lived with us for a while. And I didn't know he had like an encounter with SARS, like, but he saw a video of the protest that I put up. Mm -hmm. and like was reaching out to me i was like man yeah i did have and i was like wow and then we kind of talked through that so a family member who also had an encounter with that and that was from seeing a video of this protest but um in addition to things like that it was like i said the protest i met several people i met um a couple of artists that you know are doing like um, conscious art in this regard like you know i talked to one of them about what is um, a form of art that you can do to make nigerians feel like nigeria is not the government because that's one thing that you know a lot of us we hear nigeria and we think the government like what has nigeria done for me you mm-hmm. know we don't think about that and for good reason like i said we're under military dictatorship for, for so long and the dictatorship's goal is to make you feel like you're an individual the state is the state it's you so you don't feel like a sense of belonging you know mm-hmm. so i think art is one way that um you can kind of start to awaken that and you know kind of talk to exchange contact details um there was this lady that you know was talked about like having an african community here in, like different countries but like she she's been in Kentuckyana for a while so, like you know like the, she's nigerian and she was like "Well, the nigerian community needs to do more and all of that we exchange contacts we talk so things like that it provided avenue. And then there was a moment there where um, Victory is one of the other person I would really call like facilitators of this, mm. um, and she was reading the names of some of the people that were known to have been killed by SARS, mm. and it was just such a. I don't know. It was it was a moment that I I haven't I've thought about but I've not thought about like I've not allowed myself really sit in how that moment felt and even how like while reading at the point her voice started to shake you know because it was names that we could. We've probably met people with those names, you know, mm-hmm. and it just felt that bit more personal. Um, and there was this moment where we sang the national anthem, and it's the loudest I've screamed in a while, and that felt like you know <laughs> you felt really I don't mm-hmm. know. empowered, right? Empowered, exactly. Started yeah. giving the words of our national anthem as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, all of that was yeah. So
0: it it helped you guys build a sense of community Absolutely. in in Kentucky right. and Indiana. Okay, what is the way forward for the protesters? Mm. what do you think people should do or are going to do from this point on
1: Mm. Mm. that's that's a very good question um i'm hoping people you know had connections like uh, along the lines that i have i think i know some people have there was this guy on twitter that i mentioned the other day so there are these people we call them agbearers in lagos what do you call them again? agbearer at it, Bero. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Because I'm impressed you got it because, like, it's it's a Yoruba word. Mm. And the Yoruba language is tonal. And it can be easy to kind of, like, lose sense of the tone. But you kind of hit all the tones. Mm. But basically, Forget they... Me what'd you say <laughs> i said you <"Yay>, mean <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um but basically they they're kind of seen as hoodlums and mm. you know even people that are considered middle class in court tend to not relate with them like you kind of just you treat them as a lot of people treat them as you know people you shouldn't relate with because you just think they're just they could go off at any time like they're just violent you know and then this guy tweeted that you know he was driving like, this was shortly after the protest. And, like, the agrarians in this area, they usually see him driving. So one thing they do sometimes when they see you, like, in a decent car, like, they will kind of, like, hey, like, hail you in the hopes of you giving them money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they were doing the normal hailing. Like, they expected the normal, you know, they hail him, he gives them money. But then he was like, oh, do you guys want to get in the car? Mm-hmm. And they got in the car and he started talking with them, you know, about, like, some of this stuff. At the end of the conversation, he gave them money. But he was like, that's step one eventually i'm going to be having meetings with them Mm -hmm. you know and that i think that's something that made him realize because some of these guys too were part of the protest a lot of them actually Mm -hmm. and i i don't like to use the expression these guys because it's it takes only a little reflection to see that you are all the same like even in a part in a a way even the cops that are you know enforcing this brutality it's it's kind of like just there's an oppressive system that people are just manifesting different ways through mm-hmm. you know and it takes just a bit of reflection so i don't like to make it like them versus us, the others right and yeah us versus them. right so it's just yeah so things like that and mm-hmm. you know i i know i have a friend who she she has a podcast like you know just talking about like community issues um and i'm i've not listened to it for (laughs) some personal reasons but like you know she i know of it you know and i'm sure like she's considering speaking to people that she probably won't speak to before this protest you know there's this sense of community so i think things like that there are also um pages like um well more like efforts but you know the way being in diaspora the way you kind of engage with these things is through social media or their websites like you don't you're not able to attend events per se the covid has helped a little. some of these events are virtual but yeah their efforts you know community efforts to like track government projects mm-hmm. to hold them accountable to there's this um page um eie they, oh, sorry, budget so eie is another one budget is another one like right,
0: these are facebook pages well or? they have
1: pages on facebook and instagram i think i follow like i see them on instagram and twitter more but i'm fairly certain okay. they have yeah but basically to provide information to empower the people of the nature of the oppression we live under you know mm, like so concrete facts you know so
0: they they just th- these are virtual communities that try to open raise awareness right. about systemic violence or systemic
1: issues in nigeria absolutely um yeah they are virtual but they are also like concrete like you know okay. there are people on ground um i have a friend who like you know used to work for an ngo like you know that did something like that i basically did an accounting of i'm um, sorry um an auditing of accounts of the government like you know as a third party mm-hmm. you know, to provide information concrete data on you know how you know corruption or abuse or things like that happening and you know i think yeah so it's kind of every people i feel like a lot of people a lot more people not maybe not as many people as necessary and i hope that that keeps increasing Are feeling more a sense of belonging you know a sense of being you know i can pitch into this process a lot of people keep talking about a party run and like managed by the youth because like i said we are 60 percent of the country but our president is 70 plus i mean it's kind of the case with um america as well but then again you probably have more youthful people in through our governance in america or in yeah than we do you know it's this like sense of cabal you have to belong to a niche to be able to run for office or to do this so so yeah i think this this has sparked um that and i think beyond sparking it i think some people can always join like these events and you know being part of this protest to keep that going and mm-hmm. i think this is how a democracy gets revived in our case or just works basically
0: yeah you you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of celebrities um uh, tweeted uh or shared the hashtag NSARS. right uh including beyonce i think uh pdd a lot of african-american celebrities yeah. uh but we also saw that, for instance, when the George Floyd or uh, Amar Arbery, Brianna Taylor protests uh, took off many African countries uh, and celebrities in Africa also, uh, like, voiced their support to right. the African-American community right. and, you know, the Black Atlantic community in general. What is the importance of the relationship or or the importance of having voices like that voices from the african diaspora right. and here by african diaspora i mean people of african descent uh their voice in the democratic process of uh african countries for mm-hmm. instance or other parts of the black atlantic
1: in right. general yeah um yeah that's that's an interesting question i was i was reading a book recently i think it's history of nigeria um, by a Nigerian professor that's at UT now and he mentioned I is think is it Falola? Yeah, Falola, yes. Yes. Um, Falola. I think at um it's in 2000 he mentioned there were 300,000 Nigerians or people of Nigerian descent in the US. 100,000 of them being born here. Um which was interesting because I felt that number was small. Um when one was
0: I say I feel like as of 2000 yeah as of this was in 2000 yeah in
1: 2000 in the year 2000 there were about 300,000 okay like you know it's probably increased but I don't know it was yeah yeah, I don't know it just felt like it's particular number to me which is why I kind of remembered it but yeah I think the 100,000 bit right and I think that's growing you know there are a lot of people who have both parents born and raised in Nigeria but they were born here now those people are Nigerians by virtue of their parents right Mm -hmm. but they're more you find the culture here to be more something they understand and respond to right um those kind of people i feel like they are consciously their sense of belonging to nigeria and I, I i know some of these people personally i know a few people that like of that description personally um i think he, seeing an artist that they know whose work they know outside of all of this kind of an um something like an issue like that kind of allows them get into it more or they are more likely to get into it more that way than seeing a Nigerian artist mention it right that they don't they kind they might know their music but it's not something they really mm-hmm. relate with on a very deep level mm-hmm. um and be 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 um, be, be beyond that <laughs> there are those like you know that are not even Nigerians but are just pan-africans generally that maybe they've been based here right and you know these artists these celebrities or it could also be intellectuals you know um outside of entertainment industry mentioning these issues is their in into like seeing about it now um this kind of thing can create an international pressure on the government Mm -hmm. you know so there's a local push and then there's an international push um there was one of some people were talking about you know trying to get the u.s to um withdraw the visas of you know top officials in the nigerian government Mm -hmm. because like the oppressive orders comes from someone you know And, like, if it didn't come from them, then they should be accountable. So, things like this. Um, So, I think, yeah, um, the diaspora, like I mentioned, it's it's something I'm continually exploring and I'm just fascinated by is the influence of the diaspora in, you know, even granting, like, the fight for independence. You know, again, not to diminish, there's this um, very interesting documentary on Netflix, Journey of an African Colony, about the history of Nigeria. You Mm -hmm. know, and, like, it highlights a lot of the efforts that were local by people that were not even educated like western educated you know Mm -hmm. in nigeria and fight for this people lost their lives livelihoods people inspired things but you know a lot of some of the people that we still consider like our founding not found. we don't use the expression founding fathers but it will fit that kind of description a lot of them were educated you know in foreign schools or like you know had um yeah basically foreign education so it's like there is that there is that need um and i think pan-africans generally that are based in the diaspora um, support that. I I did mention the donations. I'm sure a lot of the do- some of the donations didn't come from people that are Nigerians. You know. It's mm-hmm. an awareness, and they're like, oh, I care about this issue. How can I pitch in? You know, this. So that's that's also something. I and mean, we trended on Twitter not just because only Nigerians were tweeting it, even though I'm sure a lot of Nigerians were. But you know, so it's mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of things. Um, it's it w- it's ways that people in the diaspora, Pan Africans in the diaspora, can contribute to the cause. Mm-hmm. So uh, usually. Before I part ways with my
0: guests, I ask them, you know, lighter questions. Uh, number one question mm-hmm. being uh, top three novels you've you've read. Ooh.
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's I know these days
0: you you're reading more like
1: computer stuff and yeah, um, <laughs> robotic <good>. stuff <laughs> i know right that's that's good and that but you know uh-huh. it's yeah um I, I read um i read a novel recently it's arcade years of childhood by Wallace Shoinka. oh Shane. okay. yeah and it's it's um i mean again i said recently so it's like it's benefiting from mm-hmm. you know recency effects if that's a word um but yeah it was something i enjoyed really it's about his growing up you know um, mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he's a Nobel laureate, so, like, yeah. he writes beautifully, in my opinion. And that was something, um, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's this other one, just talking about that, this one just popped in my head. It's um, Siddhartha by Eman Hess. It's, I guess it's a confluence. The way I see it is, and I like, I, I enjoy to imagine it that way. It's a confluence between the real story and a fictional story of the Buddha. Like the person that's referred to as the Buddha now, mm-hmm. and that was really insightful. Um, for a third one, oh yeah, I did read Chino Achebe's um, oh, what's the name of this book? Things fall apart. Things fall apart. Classic. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. There is. I mean. So I've read a lot of you know like what like, lo- works of fiction and stuff, but there was something about the way he wrote the unapologetic, unapologetic Africanness. Of um, the pr- protagonist, whose name I don't remember, it starts with a C, I think. But um, the way he talked, the 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 things he stood for, his yeah. gestures, you know, it, it was just beautiful in itself. That was something I that was something I thoroughly enjoyed. You know, there are others like Animal Farm. Oh, V for Vendetta is a graphic novel I, I'm reading. I, I have watched the movie several days, so it's just yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I know you asked for three. <laughs> awesome. What about uh, favorite top three
0: dishes? Ooh.
1: Top three. It's interesting. We we're just kind of talking about it, and I made a reference to it just before we started. <laughs> um, so I used to, I used to like growing up. I always default to kind of growing up. I used to like, like young porridge. I've not had a lot of it. Young porridge. Yeah. Um, yam porridge. Okay.
0: Yeah, like I told you, you know, there's this. Mm-hmm. Song, well, well, song, what? What? How could you describe it to um, listeners who've <laughs> never had it or don't know what it is?
1: So I've, I've not made it myself. Where it look like it's bold young. In like this, yeah, in this then, dish of palm oil. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, like I mean, the palm oil is like sauce...
1: It's not, yeah, it's not dissolved. It's pamela. like it's congealed in a way. Like it's, I think oh. it's cooked in this power thing and then it becomes congealed. Um, but I, I'm sure there's more stuff that goes into it. Well, God, Do you, God, you, God bless you've my never, mom. You've never cook, cooked I've it. I've never cooked it. Like I've not had it. Do you know th- how to? No. Because <laughs> okay, I, I used you to have. It you as, need to learn how to. Right, so that you see, can give the, us a better that, description of it. <laughs> no, I, I have an hypothesis on cooking. I think some people, and it's not for lack of trying, mm. between just unwilling to repeatedly. I don't know, the patience we're cooking. Some people find it's distressing, which is just like, no. Yeah, cooking, this, cooking is fun. You right? Know, you See, you're one of them. Like, cooking is... <laughs> yeah, it I, I like to cook, yeah. you know, to
0: to to distract myself, but, right? to, you know, to de-stress and... And and I love foods, so right. you know I'm, I'm always cooking that part and too. putting um, it
1: online, and then
0: you text oh, me and nice. saying, "Bro, what are you cooking today?"
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I've seen some of your pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, some of your status on WhatsApp. Stuff, yeah, uh, yeah, stuff that and nature things so, are the things you yeah, usually I, put on I WhatsApp. Love yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay,
0: what else?
1: Um, beans and plantain, but in a way that I would say is only made in Nigeria. Okay. <laughs> um, it's um ewa going is what we call it, and then it has a special sauce. Oof. Like, like I did, had
0: that. i had something like that before. Oh, you Ghana. have?
1: Oh, right. It's not impossible they have. I mean, yeah. they probably got it from us, but it's not impossible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. But it's not impossible oh, they You want to go there now? Oh, I know, right? Uh-huh, they <laughs> listening. Every chance I get. Every chance I get. <laughs> so no, but get yeah, I once had listening? it like morning and afternoon, like twice a day for five days a week. And I didn't know I was doing it. Like, I just kept and what, eating it. what is it called? It's rice and beans? And no, it's just beans. Like, it's but, okay. yeah, It's called a It's the way the beans is made and then this, a sauce that goes with it. Um We have something like that. It's called oh. oh, really? I make it all
0: the time. Uh, oh, really? It's just beans, and then you cook it in, in, in like, chicken stock or any oh, kind okay. of stock. Mm. And then sounds you good. put meat in it. Sometimes it's chicken. Sometimes mm. it's um, beef. Sometimes it's just, you know, you don't put any meat at all. So right. it's a good, actually, good vegetarian slash. Nice. Um, yeah. So if you, if you don't, it's a good vegetarian dish.
1: All right. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I like it yeah um but yeah um but yeah since i got here i think part of why i'm not like so sure of my favorite foods anymore is that i came to the u.s like i initially had like qualms with the food here because it's kind of different like just generally i don't have the most sophisticated palettes which is part of the problem so i can't like really enjoy flavors as it were like you know some people get here and it's just like wow so many options and it's like that yeah. overwhelms me as opposed to impresses me oh really um but i've i've kind of been open to it so i'm just trying different things here and there you know like yeah just, i hope yeah. you're
0: trying the asian restaurants and the mexican <laughs> right all those, yeah. you know, <laughs> all those yeah. types of cuisines right right, right. Yeah. and and then now three places uh top three places you haven't visited yet but would like to go to <sighs> soon. Oof.
1: Um you know I was asked that question I think sometime last year and it hit me that I want to go to everywhere that people I care about come from which is which is how many places Exactly. <laughs> so unlimited I, I, <laughs> number of places. I know I know right. I yeah, like but, having but being
0: here. Among those like could you pick 3? Um, I mean, Among it's, all those places. One thing
1: I feel kind of guilty about is I've not been to more countries in Africa than I want to. Mm-hmm. So I'll say all of them. So I'll start with Senegal because you are from Senegal. Well, and yeah, I care about that's you. The, like, the best country in, in Africa, dumb. the Bay of the Teranga, <laughs> yes. the Bay of hospital the yes. country of.
0: Country of hospitality, <laughs> you know, and Lions. good food. Right? I,
1: I'm low key hating your football team though, because y'all are of beginning course. to get too serious. I don't like it. Like, nah, yeah. Nah, now we should be on top of our game. So yeah, we number one on right. the continent. Right.
0: And also, it's the um, it's the country where Jollof rice originated. That you <laughs> and the Kenyan fight over. Don't, you know, don't Bambad, oh, no. Come Bambad, on. Bambad, You have no. to give us that one. Bambad, no. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've, we've, well, well, we've you said you
1: said we have to give you some. yeah, because like we are too million people we will keep shouting until y'all like them sit over there
0: and watch (laughs) the guineans and the nigerians like fight over and they they just (laughs) laugh and say look at these
1: people they're
0: fighting over our Invention. I mean, Jolof was an empire in Senegambia.
1: <laughs> oh, that's true. Like, right? It's hard to argue The name,
0: Joloff, that's where, you see? <laughs> it's the hard Njais? to argue
1: against that, is it, isn't it? Uh,
0: yeah. Jolof was the name of an empire. That's where mm. the Njai, people with the last name Njai come oh. from. Like my people, Bambanjai. Right. So we came from, from the Jolof empire. We were the founders of the Jolof empire. Is the language empire. Wolof? Yes.
1: Oh, the founder okay. of
0: the Jolof empire, right? All and right. then the founder of Chebujin, right? Or... Jollof Rice. Right. We call it ice. Yeah. So you guys call it Jollof Rice. Right. In fact, there was a I don't know if you remember the the Jollof the Jollof War. Oh, war? The, the Jollof Rice War. That that uh what's her name? Oriami Karim organized it oh. a
1: couple
0: of years ago oh oh yeah that, I, yeah the lady I, from i saw Nigeria. it as a competition in my head it was yeah. a competition <laughs> i like
1: that you called it war no that's
0: what they called it <laughs> oh really okay, <laughs> okay. that was not the... it okay <laughs> the joe <George> price <laughs> war i think yes yeah. <laughs> and you know there was and senegal Nigeria, did no Ghana gambia won wow okay so what's your senegambia so, you yeah. know, senegambia so, won yeah. i just say senegambia <laughs> and that's what yeah, they as, made literally yeah. chibujan. Oh, nice. and chibujan won yeah so you know
1: the crazy thing mama i've not had any other jollof and i think i will not but that does not preclude me from shitting on every other jollof <laughs> like i'm going to keep shitting on it even though i have not like that, this is just this is how logical i'm i'm willing to be on this topic but okay <laughs> so senegal All yes right. i think you should you should go to senegal yeah, for yeah. real um, i have a friend who's been and like she said really nice things, so yeah. Um, she's yeah. been to several countries in Africa, and of
0: course, you go there, you have a place to
1: stay. No, so thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's, it's it's Senegal, it's Ghana. I've not been to Ghana. I'd like to go to Ghana. Um, no, that's gonna be interesting when you go. You I, better not talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna keep quiet the whole time exactly. until I leave. Like you know. So mm-hmm. th- the only reason I'm going is to like get more ammunition to be able to you know. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I'm going. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like South Africa, East Africa. I, you know, I got here to the US and realized how little I know about East Africa. Because yeah, you you know, you introduce yourself to some people, and you know these people I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, I'm from Nigeria, and they go, oh, do you have you been to Kenya? Do you? Know? And I'm like, all I know is the capital fine, is Nairobi man. and the president <laughs> is Kenyatta. Like, just just leave me alone um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah i want i want to go and like you know there's a few there's a lot of nigerians kind of like going there um mm-hmm. i think yeah i think that's something i think a lot more nigerians consider and i understand the economic conditions but there's something about traveling and you know even if it's somewhere close to you that you've not been to you know mm-hmm. like just go experience people that live daily on the different but yeah. yeah um in terms of that like you know i've been to saudi arabia and people ask me how has it been and i'm like Interesting. Mm-hmm. And people ask me how is it has been in Lugan, I say interesting. I think I just kinda tend how to, many
0: how many how many years uh did you live in Saudi Arabia? Two years. Two um, years. Yeah. Was, okay. Yeah. Um
1: so like it I think I just tend to just immer I try to at least immerse myself wherever I am and you know, not have a preconcept. It's nice to see some sites, but you know, I think if you are willing, there is always something everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. to to see and be but yeah like places where my friends come i feel like you won't lock things about them that will just be like wow and you know you connect to them even more Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's something yeah yeah now i'll say
0: just you know start with senegal and
1: And maybe don't go anywhere else (laughs) yeah yeah just just fine you will love it so much that you know you might
0: not find it necessary to go to other places all right. Well, I will thank you very much. Uh, this was a pleasure to yeah. uh, invite you to uh, the show, the Africanist, mm-hmm. and um, I hope that we uh, you will come back at some point. You know, to talk about like, your research robotics right. and computer engineering, all of that, that and how it relates to the African continent. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. right now there is there is the boom right. uh, of technology or, and, and startups uh in africa coming up from uh, you know everywhere or it, w- it would be nice to talk to you about some of the stuff right. you know right. yeah well thank you very and much to
1: it. thank you
0: all right and uh so that was it um uh, thank you guys for tuning in as usual to the africanist and um we'll talk to you next time with another special guest so thank you and have a good one Ciel to la paix Quand Afrika, l'Afrique mon lainyan Man ne jam moy